Hello there and welcome to episode 78 of the Value Through Vulnerability podcast with the awesome Nuria Rojo. Nuria is a transformational consultant and does an awful lot of work um, helping organisations move from more outdated command and control uh, structures to more progressive, inclusive organisational structures. And she does this with a real passion and a real energy um, for connecting people right across the organisation and indeed people outside of organisations. And what I really enjoyed with this conversation with Nuria uh, today is that she really speaks to the importance of us moving away from this more roboticised nature of work, where she speaks to the fact that actually we have become like robots. Uh, we've been developed to be the perfect robots, in fact, using her language. It's also very interesting for me as a heads up that she spoke about the fact that we were just too focused on results and money and you feel like you're a number within the workplace. And I think that was a really important point that sometimes we don't think about. Uh, We talk about logically the fact that people feel like a number on a balance sheet, but I don't hear too many people talking about that experiential element that people feel like they're a number and as such you tend to get that lack of uh, engagement and maybe that lack of contribution that otherwise you may get within the workplace. So it's a really hard-hitting conversation. It's a positive conversation. Uh, Nuria is leading Hacking HR on the 24th of October in Zurich. I'm very grateful to be one of the people supporting her with that endeavour that evening and we're looking forward to having a fantastic conversation around just these sorts of topics that Nuria uh, talks about in this podcast. So we hope you enjoy the discussion. As always, we're really grateful for any feedback you may offer, and I look forward to hearing from you shortly. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability, a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. And this morning, I'm so excited to introduce you to an awesome human called Nuria Rojo. Hello, Nuria. Good morning to the podcast. Hi, Gary. Thank you for having me here. Well, thank you for joining me. And for those that are joining us for the first time and maybe meeting you for the first time, Nuria is an organization transformation consultant and an amazing human being because she can speak five languages, which always I think is incredible. So as we get going, Nuria, would you mind giving our listeners a little bit more of a background to you? So what are you doing for work at the moment and what are you passionate about? At the moment, I'm... uh trying to start uh, our business as uh, as a consulting company trying to bring consulting to another level meaning to be really close to the customer to understand their their needs to be honest with them to bring the human side to consulting that as a consultant business consultant myself i thought uh, it was lost So that is what I'm offering and uh, trying to go with them into this uh, struggle, uh, understanding where they are at the moment and where they want to to arrive, what they want to achieve. And that is what we are offering. I'm passionate, I think, about people. It's weird because I'm an engineer. So (laughs) uh, everybody would say, how can that be possible? But Technology uh, um, has been always present in my in my life, and I, I that's why I was always studying that. But at the end, it was people, culture, 
and and how do we understand it so that that was my passion and discover as much as possible from the people so i think that is where i am and my passion at the moment is to bring people to the level of awareness that things can be done better that we can think in a different way behave in a different way and do things at work and in private life in a, in a different way that makes good for every of us. Wow, I'm, I'm already buzzing, Nuria, I'm already buzzing. I, I, I love you've spoken straight away because that's going to be one of my questions is it shows you the power of stereotyping, doesn't it? Where we even say to ourselves, I'm an engineer, but I really like people. And I think that's part of the challenge, isn't it, we still have within the workplace is people still feel that their identity is tied to the job title that they have. You're right. And actually, when you start working and you have that background, you are, you are uh, put in this bucket and you, they expect you to be in this way. And they, and, and they don't expect you or even allow you to be different. And at the same time, when you are a people person, let's call it you are a nature person, they would not expect that you are passionate about data and they don't even give you the chance. So that is this isolation that we have lived continuously in organizations, both in, in technical skills and in communication or relationship skills. And when did you when did you first become aware? I love the fact you used this part of your introduction. You're trying to raise the awareness as to the importance of human-centered working while still respecting the technical components of work. When did you first yourself go, oh, the people plus technical combination is very powerful? I think... Uh since I was at the university, I thought the human component was missing. Mm -hmm. But then I thought it was um, my interpretation. And then I was living since then, like that should be the normal. That should be, okay, it's me who doesn't understand the world correctly. So then at work, when I was a business consultant for a big uh, corporation, I could experience it myself, with me, myself. I could feel that uh, we were just too focused on results, on money, and also these honest relationships were a little bit missing and caring about each other. It's like you are, you are, you feel you are a number. You are really a number and whatever will happen at the end, you are not a, a human person. You are a number for the company and that experience is very hard. And then I also experienced it doing it for others. So I was, for more, for seven years, I was working as a, in projects, in, as an internal consultant in projects for optimizing structures uh, in post-merger integration uh, initiatives. And then at the end, you also are treating the people like numbers. Mm. And 
at, at, at the first analysis. Then you realize that if you want change to happen, you cannot make it anymore. You cannot treat people like, like numbers anymore because that is, not that is not working. So I think I experienced it from the, from the learning experience when you are still at university in a business consulting environment. Uh, and then when I really faced it myself, that I thought, hmm, what I'm doing doesn't look like the best way to do things, even if it's thought that it is the, the right way to do things. And that maybe drove me to the final decision to stop doing what I was doing. It's so interesting. Like when you go back to educate the education system, you know, I, I so, it so resonates with me because I myself wasn't particularly academic. I was much more vocational. So I preferred to learn through, through almost play and experimentation, but that wasn't my allowed route. There wasn't an international baccalaureate, for example, at that time, which I think would have been my, my right route to education. And I think it's really interesting because I, I think for me, and I wonder your thoughts, Yuri, on this, is part of the challenge that we're all dealing with as part of the Humans First tribe is we've got a lot of leaders that are at the top of organizations today in 2019 that have all gone through that educational brainwashing but don't know how to feel. You used the word feel a lot just now as you were talking, but we haven't been taught that it's okay to feel, have we? Exactly. It's, it's true. You, you, you are not allowed to feel, actually. So you can feel at home, but you cannot feel at work. That is not allowed. And you cannot feel because feelings are too big. And that, I, I, I think I have been uh, suffering out of that all, all my life, meaning that I would not understand that that was the rule. That was a rule imposed, and it was it was not really working very good with me. So I had to express my feelings, my joy, my uh, lack of uh, knowledge about something, my insecurity. It, I, it was very difficult for for me to show that. Mm. For instance, I like you have to be a a, a perfect robot, actually. Uh, towards a customer and towards your co colleagues as well at work. And that is what they are asking you to be. And with that, we build a full armor that you are not yourself anymore. And you don't know who you are. That's the problem. You don't know who you want to be. My goodness. I've got a million and one questions. I need three hours with you, Nuria. Okay. <laughs> Thank goodness we have Switzerland coming up in a couple of weeks. We can have that. Um, but I think there's something I'd like to hold the space for for a moment for anyone that's listening to us right now. You just used the phrase, we've been developed to be the perfect robot. That's such a powerful message because there's so much fear around automation and replacement and job displacement. But of course, there will be if we continue to act like a robot that can be replaced by another robot. So it's really ironic that the skills, we talk a lot about empathy, vulnerability, you're speaking about, you know, building armor. I really believe the biggest opportunity we have, and it comes back to the podcast name, you know, to, to role model vulnerability, to role model courage, to role model awareness, to role model curiosity. 
will allow us to drop that armor, I feel. But would you agree or challenge with that? What's your, what's your thinking around that? I think if we could have these role models with this armor in organizations, and that organizations could recognize these role models as such, then we could all try uh, to, to, to get off of this uh, armor that are damaging everyone. For me, this armor is, uh, is, is built of fear, of uh, the the feelings of power, and I say feelings because having power gives you a feeling that looks like it's quite powerful and you don't want to get rid of it. Oh, and, um, and it gives you a status that is uh, also a combination of money and uh, a, a certain class where you can see others in another level that is an inferior level than you are. And that makes you feel good. So I think we are at the moment where we have to break with this uh, distinction on different categories of people at work. We should all be treated like I say, equal in, towards uh, dignity and, and having the same rights in the organization. And this has not, is not happening at the moment. I really, really love that comment, Nuria, because what you're speaking to for me is a little bit around inclusion by design. So how do people, how do we get away from people being identified by a job title and being seen for their unique gifts? Exactly, that's beautiful. And I love this, the word inclusion. And that should be something that has to arrive to organizations. At the moment, it's used as uh, a goal that I can make a tick like many others and is not uh, practiced to the tip of the meaning of what it means to be inclusive, inclusive in different kinds of thinking and in different backgrounds and cultures and abilities at the end. So how, how do you go about helping organizations move from some of these more outdated armor-based, fear-based ways of working, Nuria, towards more open, human-centered or, or more humanistic ways of leading and, op and operating? Are there certain practices? Is it sort of organizational design that you help people with? Can you speak a little bit about some of the, some of the transformations you assist with? The first thing I, 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 say, I tell organizations is that I don't bring a recipe. I want to listen to them and I want to design together uh, where they want to go. And what I, I offer them is to go through a holistic view of their organization, all the components that they have. And I challenge them to find out uh, where they are, if they know where they are, and I would like to have a different kind of people in, uh, like in an initial workshop to find out where they are, where are the, the constraints or the difficulties they are going through to reach an optimal state. And for me, the final target is to 
be focused on people both in the customer side, meaning getting people, customers get an impact, an experience, a memorable experience that they cannot forget. How do you do that on one side? And on the other side, how do you, how do you get there with your people? You have to use your people and they, you have to offer the same experience and the same impact that you want them to offer the customer to offer them. So my challenge is to, to, to think, to go through all the blocks that are part of an organization, like the organizational model, the operation model, the market, and the performance. This, with these four blockage, uh, blocks, I can cover the full organization and try to find out what is the key ingredient for all of them to reach the success you want. My conclusion is that in all these blocks, you have to go to a human-centered approach. And then try to find out what is missing in there and define additional uh, workshops. And if, of course, you cannot just work on workshops. I also... Uh, work on data so combine data conversations across the organizations plus working sessions where we come together so at the end we are guiding them and we are trying to get uh, their fears apart, uh, away to bring their own ideas their own thoughts listen to them and trying and trying to find the, their ideas it's, I, I just love how you communicated that. You know, you're totally role modeling for me, Nuria, which is really exciting. In your work you do, exactly what your clients need, which is personalization of service, yeah? Bespoke solutions. And, you know, and I love the word, you use the word guide. I think that is so beautiful. You know, you're not coming in to tell them they're broken. It sounds to me you're going in to say, how do you want to be better? Exactly, but it's important that they, they, they have to acknowledge that because many organizations think they don't need help or they only need certain help from certain uh, companies that they have already pre-selected. It's like then they go, these companies will never challenge them because they, they don't go to, to that other models. So... It's a little bit challenging for us because we have to find those customers that have a, a kind of readiness in thinking. And I don't need to convince anybody about this model uh, or this challenge that they have to go through. They have to have this, this, this mindset of thinking we may not be in the right way at the moment but we we can go in the right way so let's try to do it if you don't have that mindset and you think that this is what you are doing is good and you don't have to to to, to think about a, a, a radical maybe change in thinking then it will be difficult to go out or uh, to out-of-the-box ideas because you are just searching for incremental improvement and when you think only about incremental improvement you will never be able to find out 
an extraordinary idea about how to do things. So, so powerful. I love, and how, how do you find, you spoke about inclusion already, and there's something coming up for me, Nuri, around getting the employee voice heard right throughout an organization if you're working with them. How would you go about, you mentioned workshops, there are other sort of methods that you use to try and extract that data, because sometimes it's the people that are doing the job that have the best ideas, but are not always heard in an organization. So what I was doing for long in, in my previous uh, company, and I think it's a good idea and it's perfect, is working, having conversations with them. You can have these conversations with them, with different kinds of people. You can have these uh, brainstorming uh, workshops on how to produce with different techniques, how to produce their, their, get their ideas. You can also use a tool. I'm not against that to use a tool to come with ideas or to not even generate ideas. First, you have to know what they think. Mm -hmm. It's not even how, first is how do you feel, how we could do your day-to-day uh, -day life better? How we can do that? How you, want, you would like to do that? What would you need? And uh, after that, you can um, put, uh, get, get the individual voice, you can get the collective voice, and try afterwards to, cha to challenge them with how do we do that? How do we get to, to another point, to, another, to, the, to the target? Of how would it be your, uh, your perfect uh, situation? How would you flourish yourself? How would you find that you have uh, achieved something? You would achieve something like that. What would you need? Do you need freedom from your boss? Do you need more skills? Do you need more motivation? If you need more motivation, how do we, how do we get there? What are the practices that are commonly in the organization that are uh, constrained to you, that, that don't allow you to, to get the best of you. Um, what would you like? What are your passions? What are your, your best at that you at the moment cannot give, for instance? So for me, it's, it's, a, a, it's kind of a podcast with Gary where <laughs> somebody is challenging to you and bringing. Um, ideas and trying to find out what it, what the, the optimal status would be for this person that's so cool i love your point around the, the, the practices that may be getting in the way as well i think that's a really helpful reflection nuris thank, thank you for sharing that i'd like us to move on a little bit to an event that you're putting on in a couple of weeks time which is hacking hr in zurich on the 24th of october um, I'd love to learn a bit more about what was your passion for getting involved with Hacking HR and how did that come about for you? Thank you for this question. Um, so in all, all my experience the last year, I, 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 I saw that HR was going through a crisis. Sometimes HR were excluded of decision making in kind of organizational uh, topics. 
uh, sometimes they were excluding it themselves on this decision making. They have been going into more operational activities and losing the, the contact with the people, the contact and the connection with them. So HR was disconnected from the employees, was only connected through the HRVPs, uh, so the HR business uh, partners with their leaders. And at the same time, I could see that HR were, was having some practices that were really old fashioned, that are not bringing us to a future of work where all these values we are talking about can be there. So at that moment, like two years ago, I thought HR has no future like it is but they have a big opportunity. They have an extraordinary opportunity. How do we bring this message to them that we are not those that tell them, HR, you are doing great job. HR, you can improve a little bit on doing your practices as you are doing. HR, you can take some technology and keep doing what you are doing. So that is not my message. My message is HR, you have to to do things very differently. It's for your safety, for your fulfillment, and for others' fulfillment, and for the company's success. And that is when I decided to sense the pulse in Zurich about this topic, because I could feel Switzerland is quite traditional in respect in, in regarding uh, uh, human resources. Then I decided to bring this, uh, this event to, to Zurich and experiment with uh, some challenging topics. How others are doing things differently, treating others differently, adopting new ways of, um, of doing that they are successful and they are doing good. And that's why I, I, I started organizing that and uh, I was feeling very fulfilled that people felt related with that. And it has been already for a year. We, we have organized seven events and still I received some comments that, Muria, thank you because I didn't know this ex was existing and this can give us the space to connect with other people like us. So at the end, Hacking Nature, I think, is building a space for people to belong with different ideas, different ways of thinking, that they don't want to fail in organizations. They want to succeed, succeed but they cannot have their voice heard. And at the same time, for me, it's very interesting to have, the, again, the three components of HR, technology, and what is called future of work, that for me is everyone that is curious about different ways of thinking, doing, behaving, uh, those that agree with that, those that are catalysts, those that are just... Uh, have doubts about it, so let's come together because if you don't have these doubts, we cannot have, have a conversation either. So I hope it still 
a topic that is attracting enough people in, in, in Zurich. I think, I think it's going to be brilliant. And I think, I just love what you're speaking to, that it's this safe space for people to experiment and talk about the things that maybe they don't feel comfortable to talk about in their workplace. I think that's just so, so powerful. And I think that leads us also beautifully into how you and I met, which was via the Humans First conversation with Kevin Monroe and Mike McCanty. Um, would you say they're quite, they're quite similar ethoses around belonging, just coming from different approaches or do you see them as different communities how do you how do you see humans first and hacking hr um in, in their own right Nuria, just from your experience i i think uh, in hacking hr you have uh, some good topics to connect with people that are aligned with that the belonging you create yourself. So not, it's not that HR is creating the space to belong, but because there are different topics and there can be people all interested in, in technology or uh, about how to do things differently, but they don't want to touch HR, for instance. So it's a space that, that can, where that can happen and people can feel related to each other and then it's up to them to feel belonged or not. Mm -hmm. In humans first, I think it's much more intense because it's very much focused in values. Mm -hmm. Values first, so I would say. There is values first and then when you join these conversations, the values are so intense that the belonging is almost there, already there. So that is where I could see the difference, but I, I think HR, uh, hacking HR is facilitating this kind of belonging in an easier way, more like in, in, in a softer way from the traditional isolated or siloed thinking to a way where this can happen. So it's a kind of a different space going to the same goal. I, I really, really love that because I feel exactly the same as you just described. And I think what's really, I'm going to sound a little bit spiritual and woo-woo now, Nuria, but I think all of these different movements right now are basically, I feel, pointing us back to the fact that we are all already enough. We've spent so many years pretending we have to be somebody else, wearing the armor, conforming to how someone else says we have to live our life. And then all of a sudden we're all going, hey, I can be Gary. You can be Nuria. Mike can be Mike. You know, I think there's a real of consciousness shift now that we can be the best version of us. And this technology is helping us do that. Exactly. This technology and, and somebody or uh, taking the, giving these ideas to create that, like Mike was coming with humans first and the uh, hacky nature. So somebody has this idea and is only the idea is not enough. Mm. So, but you don't know how it is evolving from the idea to where we are at the moment. So it's, it's, a, it's a flying wheel, mm. you know, it's that it gets, it gets momentum by every, everyone that is participating, everyone that is expressing their thoughts. Everyone makes it bigger and bigger and faster and, 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 uh, uh, giving, offering more connections at the time because this is the power of the networks. 
you cannot control at the moment today who is talking to which and who, what are they sharing. And at the moment, I read recently that actually, for instance, when you think about marketing, how it was before in the, in the, in the funnel way, so marketing, sales, customers, now it's not like that because most of the, of the sales are done through a, through a way that is not a vendor. It's not, so you go there because you find a good review, because a friend of you told you, because you read an article about them, and not because the salespeople came to you to sell that product. And that is what is happening with these movements. It's just a movement where you can join voluntary. It's nobody selling you. You have to buy this because it will make good for you. Is that is there, you can join, you cannot join. Just experiment with this. And there are maybe people as well here in Zurich who were joining at the beginning and then they don't feel identified with, with what we are talking about. They want they believe still the traditional way is the way that it has to follow. And then it's like that. But at least it's good that people experiment what others are doing. Uh, this, I love, love, love that comment, Nuria, because I've, in my, within my own work organization, we ran an experiment um, for three years. And like you say on your website, and I'm going to quote your website because I love your statement, you say, when people in the organization win, customers win, and the company wins. Like, it's, and I've got evidence of that in my work organization where we increase sales by six million and gross margin by one and a half million over three years just by shifting the mindset and the culture of the team. Yeah, so like that statement on your website is brilliant. And I think you're speaking perfectly to that, which is there is no need to be competing with each other or to be fighting for resources. Like our people who we're already paying salaries for, are, oh, they've got every answer we could ever need, haven't they, <laughs> within them? If you could think about what, what could you do better for your people, you cannot imagine how you could boost the lives of these people. Just think what they, they would like to, 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 to have differently. Ask them and, and, and go close to them and, and be honest and say, what are we doing wrong? Because we can also do things wrong. So it's not like I'm deciding for you. And I think, for instance, you need a well-being program that makes you feel good because you have so much stress because you are such and so much work to do and there is so much stress that I will give you this well-being program with this massage, these apples and these rewards in traveling that you feel better. And you know what? That is just giving ibuprofen to a person that has a serious illness that is just covering the pain for a moment. And that is, I think, what companies are trying to do, to solve this pain and don't go to the real cause of why this stress is appearing in organizations, why this, motivation, this lack of motivation is there, why this lack of teamwork is there. So it's not because we have a stress. Yes, we have a stress, but what is the reason we have a stress? We should find out the, the, the real reason for that and not try to, to give ibuprofen. And I, 
just refer to ibuprofen because it's very funny. In Spain, you go to the doctor and most of the time they tell you, okay, you can take ibuprofen. <laughs> and it's like something that can heal everything, but at the end it heals the pain. It doesn't heal. It's like, let's save your problem now because I have two minutes to solve your problem. So I solve your problem with ibuprofen. And don't come next. Maybe it is, it is solved. And uh, that is not the way. And if you, you just ask the people what they want and what they have and challenge them, it's not just sometimes they are not able to think because they have been in this box for so long that, that they don't know what is outside. And I give an example of myself. I spent 15 years in a corporate. I was bringing ideas. I was, uh, they were thinking I was really a challenger and uh, they were asking where I was bringing these ideas from. And I said, I don't know, it's from myself, my common sense of my values, my experience, my observation. I'm, I'm, observe, I'm an observer. I, I was traveling a lot alone and with people and I was always observing people. Uh, maybe because telephones were not existing at that time. Then you observe and you observe how, what they do, how they feel, how they react. And, and, uh, and with that, you can, you can really do amazing things. Oh, Nira, it's just amazing. I've just got, I've got too many more questions. We're going to have to hold this for Switzerland, I think. Um, I want to start to wrap up. Um, I just want to give you a lot of respect for how futuristic your visions are within this space, because I, I noticed from um, an article you wrote as far back as April 2017, you were speaking about the Chinese uh, manufacturer Hire, yes. um, but back in April 2017, you know, a lot of people have spoken about them in the last 12, 18 months. But you really saw something in that organisation two and a half years ago. I'm just really intrigued. Where do you get your insight from? Like, is it your network? Is it just your deep curiosity? Because you really are ahead of the curve with a lot of the people you're you're speaking to and the sort of the changes that you're seeing. So this happened. Uh, what maybe I, I missed uh, to add something last uh, my, in my last uh, point is that I, in my corporate world, I was living within some walls. I didn't know what was existing outside until I quit corporate, and then I said I have to discover what is happening in the world. Luckily, luckily we had LinkedIn, we have Zoom, we had any other tool. That, and we have internet that allows us to discover as much as we can. So I discovered a first person that was really changing or leading me, maybe guiding me to many other people and many other uh, companies. And that was Doug Kirkpatrick. He was one of the persons that was running the self-management transformation in uh, Morningstar, the tomato processor in California. And I read his book and I was following him. Through that, he was writing already for some time about hire. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't know anybody writing about hire about, except him and a professor here at the, at the university, IMD, I think, in, in Switzerland. 
So I was following both. I, bought, I, I read both, uh, those books and I found it extraordinary. I said, nobody knows about hire. And I didn't know neither. And they are working on this since 18, uh, 1984, when this guy put the fridges outside and said, we have to destroy all these fridges because they don't work and we will not offer it to the customers. So it was a very impacting uh, company. I knew about other companies uh, like were doing smaller things, but Tiger is really was really quiet, and that's why I felt so inspired to make research, to read, and then wrote, I wrote these two, three articles there, and I kept them like uh, this was like my biggest discovery at that moment. That's that's so cool. And to be honest, um, a big shout out to Doug Kirkpatrick. He also endorsed you on LinkedIn. I'm just saying. Hashtag just saying. That's quite cool as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to say thank you as well for all you do from myself, Nuria, but also on behalf of the whole Humans First tribe, because you are an incredible human. You connect people without any desire for anything in return. And I think you really role model everything that you want from this future of work. You role model it today. So thank you for what you do. It's absolutely amazing. So how can people reach out to you? What's the best way to reach you if people want to follow up the conversation with you? They can reach me in LinkedIn uh, with Nuria Rojo or just uh, go to otraconsulting.com and uh, find my contact details there. Nuria uh, dot rojo at otra consulting.com. The easiest is LinkedIn. Wonderful. Well, look, I'll make sure sure they're in the show notes of this podcast, Nuria. You've been an absolute joy. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Gary, because without people like you and all the people I have come through all these years, I would not be at this point because you really need the energy from other people and to build your resilience and to keep going on this message because it's it looks like you are not in the right direction so every person i have talked to every person that shows kind of support to me is really making a big step in in how i keep doing what i'm doing so i would not be there with humans first and with all with without tag with all organizations that are doing things in a different way and bringing such an, a role model to others love that word role models i think the lovely thing is nuria is that we can all be we are all role models to each other it's not a hierarchy thing anymore which is beautiful exactly that is beautiful and that is also something we have to to understand and to live that every it, everybody matters i would come to uh, bob chapman's uh, book but it's really is really a key understanding when when we say everybody matters everybody has something to say everybody has something uh, extraordinary to bring and uh, together we are stronger Here, here, Nuria. You've been awesome. We'll just add to the end of this podcast. So Nuria kindly has two events that she's been helping um, recruit people for. One is Hacking HR in Zurich on the 24th of October. 
and the Ignite Conference at St. Garland University over the 23rd, 24th of September. Nura has been heavily involved in helping get people for both events and both are still available right now at the point of this podcast going live. So do come and meet Nura and myself and a whole range of other awesome people in Switzerland on the, between the 23rd and 24th of September. October. Take care, Nuria. Speak to you soon. Thank you, Gary. It's yeah. been a pleasure to talk to you. Bye. And you. Bye. Hi there, just Gary Turner here, your podcast host, wrapping up this awesome conversation with Nuria. I just really love Nuria's honesty, her integrity and her directness as to where we are within so many organisations, certainly my experience as well over the last few years. She speaks about the fact that many organisations think they do not need help or they do not need help or they need help from only the certain sorts of companies, ones that often don't challenge them. Just think about that for a second. We're spending tens of thousands, if not multi-millions, maybe even billions per year on leadership development, on cultural change, on um, consultancy help to transform from one business model to another. Yet we still have traditional ways of leading. We still have a lack of progression. We still have engagement stuck at one in three people fully engaged globally for over a decade. Something isn't working in the consulting space around being truthful, around finding the right solution um, for the market. You know, I fully, fully empathise and support Nuria's point here. You know, we need to be more curious. We need to be more vulnerable. We need to be uh, engaging the employees' hearts and minds at every level of an organisation if we're going to make change stick and have the flexibility that we need in organisations to navigate the times that we have. I also enjoyed Nuria speaking about the fact that if we could have more role models in organisations that wear less armour, this would also help um, with this transformation. Um, She speaks about this armour being built of fear, the feelings of power, status, money and class that you can see in others uh, that are in an, an, an inferior level to you. So are you one of those leaders right now that is wearing an awful lot of armour? What are you afraid of? What could it look like if you just took a little bit of that armour off and just showed a bit more of the true you? Maybe you do struggle with your workload. Maybe you do also have a challenge at home at the moment. Maybe you don't want to talk about it fully, but just letting your people know that they've got more going on at home than maybe they realise. Just show a little bit of a chink in that armour. Let them know you are human. Let them know that you also have things going on. I'm pretty sure you'll find very, very quickly how much they will rally around you. I also enjoyed Nuria's challenge of well-being strategies, that often this, that is just giving ibuprofen to someone that has a serious illness. What a powerful metaphor. I often use the language of we put a sticky plaster on a deep wound. You know, we try to solve the pain, but we never go back to the root cause. And I think, again, if we think about that, that opening comment I use in these reflections, that many organisations think they don't need help, they don't need support, Um, or they only seek it from the certain people that only give them a sticky plaster or the ibuprofen, there's really a root cause dynamic here, which is we're not dealing with the fact that we have organisational structures or leadership mindset that is not serving the now and certainly won't serve the future. Um, So what what are we going to do about this, people? Um, I think there's a lot of opportunities. And how about working with the likes of Nuria? myself or a myriad of other people out there that want to serve you, your organisation, your leadership to more humanity-centric, human-centred ways of leading and working. And the evidence is out there. Improved diversity, improved innovation, 
improve performance. All of these things come if we can just slow down and give ourselves permission um, to come together as a collective unit and not have to be about the individuals. And finally, Nuri is going to be leading Hacking HR in Zurich on Thursday, the 24th of October. I'm very grateful to be one of the presenting members on that day alongside a host of other amazing human beings such as Jane Ted Grants, Cornell Thomas and a number of others, and Nuri herself. My topic's actually going to be on slowing down to speed up. That's going to be my topic I'll be leading on that evening. And the reason Hacking HR exists and the reason that Nuria is so passionate about it, she feels that HR was going through a crisis, sometimes excluded from decision-making, sometimes even excluded themselves. And she's really passionate about giving the space to the people that do have these game-changing ideas. They do want to make work better for the masses, uh, but maybe they just don't have that safe space right now due to these outdated fear-based organisational structures that tend to be a lot more reactive. So please do get involved. Um, it's going to be an amazing, amazing event at Hacking HR. You can hear from Nuria, her passion. She deserves, I, I believe, to be seen for the amazing work that she's doing. And I hope that more organisations on listening to this conversation reach out to her. And also, we're both going to be at the Ignite conference at St. Garland University across the 23rd and 24th of October, should that be of any interest to you as well. So my name's Gary Turner. You can find me at GaryTurnerZero on Twitter or at the listening organization one word.co.uk. And uh, yeah, I look forward to speaking to you, hearing from you. And if you've got anything you'd like to challenge, that would be welcome um, that feedback. Anything you'd like to mention that you agreed with or you'd like us to iterate further in our conversation. This is a conversation between us all. There's no right, wrong or judgment here. But it's very, very clear to me that it doesn't matter where we look or speak or whoever we have a conversation with. The time really is now that we need to engage the hearts and minds of all of our people and the people at the top in particular. We're here to support you. We're not here to hang you out to dry. So bear that in mind and let's all work on these uh, future of work challenges together. Until next time, until episode 79, thanks for your time.